Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We're running a small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. So finally, lads, after all the shadow boxing, we know the quarterfinals. We know the the next three quarterfinals. One quarterfinal, obviously, is over. Um, Cheddar is here with me in studio, and Brian is on the phone. So Wexford have to go to Galway after their great win against Kilkenny. So the way these teams, the way these leagues have worked out, Dublin top in Division 1B has thrown a complete spanner into the work. So Wexford, after coming second in 1A, have to go away to Galway, which you would think they might have avoided Galway after having that uh, good result. Tipperary, after being uh, almost favourites for relegation, now get Dublin, because Dublin topped 1B, and they get home to them and Clare and Waterford are going to toss. So Waterford, after coming back against Galloway and getting the gold in the last minute, their prize is a tougher, a tougher, uh, a tougher match than what they would have got had they lost um, to Galloway. Arguably, there could be clear away instead of Wexford at home. So that's it, all in a nutshell. All the three quarterfinals are going to be played next Saturday and next Monday. Um, we don't know that yet at the time of recording. So obviously the the I think they're all down for Saturday now. Are they all down Water for Saturday, won, Brian? Water won won the toss and they have home advantage. Right, okay, Walsh Park. So they want Walsh Park to become a bit of a fortress and they went some way of getting that. So they're all on Saturday. That's good news anyways for the podcast because we're going to be in here on Monday and I was thinking we'd lose out we'd lose out on one. But the interesting one here, lads, is Cork and Kilkenny, the relegation match. Brian Cody didn't really want to have anything to do with this uh, relegation match. He says, all I know is we were asked during the week whether we're happy to let one team go into one group and the other team to go into the other and I certainly wouldn't and I certainly would think that would be the sensible thing to do. It would be a futile match really but whatever happens, happens. But Cheddar, now they're going to want to play this because Cork had Harnady sent off and Kilkenny had Conor Delaney sent off so they need the game 
for them to serve their mattress suspensions now? Uh, no, I think it'll work out um, well for them in that regard. All right. Um, I look, I think um, you know they, they might like the game anyway. I know it's only, I know it's only another week, but it's another game under the belt. Um, for both teams, really, I suppose. Uh, you know, bear in mind that the Munster and Leinster Championships are starting pretty quickly. You know, May the 11th, May the 12th will come around very quickly and they're going to have to give some time to club games and that. Um, so if you're a county management team, um, you probably would welcome the game, although, it, look, it doesn't have any bearing on anything as, as such. Uh, but just consider Kilkenny and um, consider consider Cork for a minute. You know, both of them are trying to to blend teams and that um, I know Brian has the uh, Ballyhale players to come back after after the following weekend he won't have them for that for that game obviously but the, the, we know both of them are still trying to blend teams so I think in a sense they might welcome the game even though there's nothing really at stake Yeah, futile although Cody did mention it. What did you make of the sendings off anyway Brian? Uh, Harnady, definite red Connor Delaney no you know way. You, you, I know, I, you, you know what? I knew you'd say no way to Conor Delaney. You don't mind this owl jab into the stomach or whatever kind of stuff goes on. You see that as part of the game, right? Ah, no way that's sending off. Come on, like where will it end up if that's a sending off? And I know Don Lowe came out last night and said better law and Bugler agreed with him, and it was all um, too much agreeing for my liking and that. Um, no, no way that's sending off. I know he 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 retaliated slightly, but you look hard. Get on with the game. Throw it in if you want to. You know, um, if that's the case. But if we start going down that road, he didn't. He didn't let slide. But no, Harnady now. Um, he he's a man that's glad of, of of this game going ahead on Saturday. Yeah, surely that's going to run into the championship. Yeah, surely that's a red. That was that was a that was a uh, nasty one, and you could see exactly where he caught him. And it was a delayed reaction with poor James Barry. <laughs> Yeah. It was by the time the, the, his, the message got to his brain that he was after getting one in the crown jewels or you know he, he kind of it was a real silly one from Harnady it was just pure um, born out of frustration and he's not you know in fairness to me he's not usually that type of player but uh, he, he had no choice but to walk after after hitting him then it was actually a funny one Cheddar with uh, Bugler talking about this last night because I have a very very vivid memory of him doing the very same thing down in Wexford Park remember the Clare Wexford replay I think it was back in it was a 14 the year after they won the All-Ireland he did the same thing drove the butt of the hurl and he got mm. away with that mm. do you remember that happening yeah, Conor Delaney's wasn't as extreme as, as Bugler's was that, that year mm. uh, look I, I disagree with both you both either guys actually to be honest with you um I think when you look at Seamus Harney, I actually looked at this again in the replay. You know, what was he looking at? You know, both uh, players reacted to something. And, you know, obviously it's extreme. Um, but I, I don't for a minute think that uh, Seamus Harney uh, meant to do what he did. He flicked his hurley back, uh, wasn't looking where he was going. And, you know, it's a very, it's a dangerous thing. He could have struck him in the face or anything like that either. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Um, uh, you know, Connor, stu- what Connor did was innocuous in comparison to what was done for a long number of years. But, I'd say, Brian, look, make it easy on referees. Change that rule if that's the case so they can use their own uh, um, um, interpretation of, of, you know, what has went on and that. Um, and They I, won't change the rule anyways. They're, I, I they're know, trying I, to move away from know, that stuff, I know stuff, they won't, they? but that, that's the point. Like, you know, we can't, we can't um, you know, play in the grey area as such. And we're making it difficult for referees if that's the case. Um, but I, I think there are the sort of things I'm, I'm sort of consistently saying on the show here, Willie, as such, that, look... The rule is there. Do you interpret it as a rule or do you allow a referee make common, common sense? Because I will guarantee you there'll be other shows right throughout the year when the same thing will happen, when the panellists that were on last night will form a different view. Um, you know, so we, we just need to set our feet down on these type of things. I think if, if it's malicious, 
um, I think every player would have a different a different view and I think when you looked at the, the two of them last night there were reactions to something um, I don't think either player I'd probably say Connor probably um, you know had more knowledge of what he was doing actually than what Seamus are doing so if, it were to, if that's your definition of, the, of militias then I'd say Connor has probably more an answer for it, to be honest with you and I'd probably disagree with both of you on that but, but I, I just think but that is Har- is Har- one second now Harnady knew exactly where Barry was and he swung his hurl back so like just because he wasn't looking in that direction doesn't mean he wasn't trying I, to give him I a know, clip with it I know I don't think so will you I, I, I actually looked at that he was looking up the field actually when he did that ah, Look, yeah, but it, sure that's, that, is that not the right thing you would do if you wanted to give a lad a clip that's I, the, don't, I, I don't think so Look, if you wanted to give a lad a clip I can tell you you'd clip him um, <laughs> and, predict, and, predict, and, predict, and particularly in hurling um, and, and look I don't want to I don't want to dwell on it as such I just think I'm, I'm probably just maybe raising a different discussion here I think we need to set her feet down on what these are it's either by rule or it's not um, and we just need to say that when we say that look rules are here for um, I suppose guidelines for referees rather than an out and out rule whereas we will have some rules that simply are rules you have to abide by them um, and I think we just need to, to, to rethink that otherwise than that I can if we're going to referee by rule we'll have very little flow on hurling I can guarantee you Yeah Cody wasn't happy about it Cody said what I what I saw really was the referee blew the f- this is the Conor Delaney one what I saw really was the referee blew the whistle for a free turned around and walked back up the field the crowd shouted he turned around and gave a man a red card that's what confused me so he's trying to say that the referee didn't even see it but reacted to the crowd so I don't know well, well I'd, how, say how Willie, tra- I'd say Willie Bryan was getting any say early there for the appeal to Croke Park next Monday night Maybe. that's what he was yeah, doing it wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if any of you spotted Rory O'Connor was fairly fired up for the game yesterday he was tearing into things he was getting involved in things I hadn't seen him before but he went to hit Conor Delaney at one stage of the second half and he ran 100 miles an hour into Conor Delaney and just bounced straight off him onto the ground. I went, Jesus, this Conor Delaney is a hardy uh, bit of stuff. There was an example in football a f- years ago of Stephen O'Neill running into Neil McGee and Neil McGee's just jogging out as normal, not even seeing where he was, watching where he's going and Stephen O'Neill tried to blindside him and just hit him with a shoulder and, and, and completely bounced off him. It reminded me of that. Well, Woody, before you go off that point there, I might remind you yourself there of sometime around TV <laughs> with the rock at one stage there as well and you start to bounce off him true. as well. Yeah, that's true. Niall Buckley got me a good one too that people seem to really enjoy watching as well. He got me yeah. in, in Crow Park. But look, I'm only a little slip of a fella, Cheddar. I didn't trade on, on hits. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's let's move to a to a beautiful uh, little piece of skill here. Was the Shane Bennett sideline, and how has this not happened before, Les? This was absolutely oh, beautiful. Now, there's so many different layers to this. I am arguably more impressed with Jamie Barron for noticing that it was touched than actually with uh, Shane Bennett for actually doing a cheddar like they talk about being on the same wavelength here like I mean uh, no, this, this is rehearsed stuff uh, Willie it's, it's rehearsed not, stuff it's not the first time it would have happened actually, actually I, I can go back into the noughties um, I was involved with a wonderful club in North Tipperary called Money Gall and I remember we tried that in the North Tipperary Championship one day almost identical to that and the referee blew it back and he blew it free the other way and I nearly and, and, and really had a heart attack running into the field See, to them the that, that this is within rule you, you only need to be 30 the receiver needs to be 30 metres away from the ball that rule is there for, for, for a number of years now at this stage um, And uh, but the, the, actually well, you, you, you raise a good point though it's surprising that teams don't use other you know other little means of you're, you're really trying to retain possession from static plays here and it's surprising that, that there aren't more you know innovative ways of actually doing that of a sideline balls and probably the success of people scoring from sideline 
sideline balls now actually reduce is that happening in the future but uh, I, it, it was I thought what was brilliant was the, the uh, body language of the person taking the ball um, you know I'd say nobody in the place you know thought he was going to do with it what he did No he, he absolutely not and I don't like I mean the thing about this though Brian is and Cheddar makes the good point there it's you, you might be tricking the opposition but you're also tricking the referee and the linesman like would Bennett have had to whisper to the linesman I'm taking this I'm touching this you know what I mean to make sure that it's not getting blown up because just looking at it yeah just, and I'm glad Cheddar said that because that was going to be my point up and down the country there isn't a referee would let that go in club hurling for, yeah. a, for a million dollars no way I can tell you now there's no way that get away in off club hurling um, <laughs> there'd be war and uh, teams would go nuts so they'd definitely pull it back if they were unsure at all they'd be pulled back um, yeah, and as Cheddar said you end up with a free going against you so if you're a little bit of in, um, genius a little bit of work you'd end up being a, um, really on, on the tail end of a bad decision by the referee but you can, I suppose you can understand the, the, the aspect from inter-county there's a lot of more people involved and they can, they can see what's going on but they should have really kept that one up the sleeve for championship as brilliant as it was I'd love to see it kept for championship because but that, uh, yeah, but this is the everyone's going to be watching like a hawk now there's so many different parts of it like I mean I can see that happening in a championship I was trying to look out for the linesman in the actual clip and he's not really in it so like I think the referee and the linesman deserve a huge amount of credit for copping this talking about having your yeah, eye on the ball go. fully agree yeah. like Cahill Mannion actually Go on. Carl Mannion ran the other way completely and yeah. you know just followed the run of Shane Bennett never noticed because it did in fairness it looked really innocuous that he just was you know oh I'm leaving it to you yeah. you know, so it, was, it was beautiful piece of skill yeah. and Jamie Barron I thought he'd actually taken another few yards fairness to him he clipped it over fairly quickly the minute he, he got it up into the hand um, you know good score still yeah, would you be doing? See, would you be doing that kind of in training? You know, the, you know the the real enjoyable part of training is, well, probably not anymore now because they're all doing their rollers and their stretches and they do their warm ups. But I used to love the fifteen minutes training would start at half seven. You'd get out in the field maybe at a quarter past seven, ten past seven, and you'd be kicking points. You might go over and have a sideline competition. You might have a free. You might have a penalty competition. You'd be doing all messing with your friends, and I used to love that 15 minutes before training I presume in hurling you might be doing little bits and pieces like that as well Cheddar or, I know you, you, or the you, players you, would be I know you'd practice that um, but bear in mind this was in Welsh Park in Welsh Park yesterday as well so so you know a forward at that calibre getting the ball in that area would shoot pints with his eyes closed most of the time particularly in his own ground because that's where he's practising shooting and that um, yeah. so, so I wasn't surprised that it happened but it was very very well executed and I, I just thought the body language of it all was really really good Yeah I thought Don Logue put it well last night if you wanted two fellas to rob a bank then <laughs> <laughs> and if you you wouldn't want Carl Mannion as the detective trying to yeah. catch the two guys <laughs> yeah I thought that was a good one and Shane Bennett as well for his goal uh, Don Logue pointed out the hurley was turned the wrong way as well Brian does that make it that little bit I actually think the tip of that hurl might have made it easier for him to scoop it in no he, Don Logue was making out that that was actually making it more difficult uh, it did indeed actually because some, so when the hurl is turned the wrong way it can feel completely wrong um, in your hand and he, he did well in fairness um, I don't know how it ended up that the, the nose of the hurl was turned down got an initial touch on it went out by the keeper and he just dived at it and I know um, you know I know Joanne was going on last night but how did he sneak it in by the post but you know you, a good corner forward like that you'd, you'd expect to sneak it in but he, he dived and it was a great score to be fair but brilliant work great great move to the centre um, mm. 
by Waterford and, and get the ball to the man in the best position and that's exactly what you want from your from your forwards you know he didn't just kick the ball over the bar they went for the juggler and it paid off Yeah exactly right so we have to mention the Carlo Rising here uh, first Brian I have to apologise for this so in 62 years of league hurling this is Carlo's first ever away victory in a Division 1 game so like I mean that's a fair old stat um, you have Colin Bonner saying after the win yesterday it's nearly surpassed anything like we've done so far from winning the Christie Ring to the Joe McDonough and Division 2 League and this is really like a promotion to a new Division 1 so they're staying in Division 1 they were down by 11 points and they were a man down um, Cheddar because we're obviously going to talk about Offaly in a minute but mm-hmm. like I mean it's obviously important to mention what a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant comeback and win this was for Carlo before we even talk about Offaly. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Brian will obviously comment more on it, um, having been at the game. But just to take the game on, on its merits itself, to be a man down for that length of time um, and to be that far down from a team, you know, that, that you know wouldn't have had a recent history of those type of comebacks um, was very, very good. Brian might comment on, you know, how Offaly dealt with it or didn't deal with it. Um, but look, it reflected very well in Carlo. But look, we've spoken up Carlo a good bit here on, on yeah. previous shows, Willie. This is nothing new. Um, you know, they have a decent team um, and, you know, they've had a few results recently. I mean, um, Offaly beat him you know a week ago but that was with two players scoring four goals and four pints out of four eight and you know that type of scoring just wouldn't 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 be great and particularly when the two players players are, are, are Joe and and, and uh, Shea Dooley and that yeah. um, so I, I'd say even though I say Offaly were or I say Carlo were very disappointed with that last game against Offaly but when they went back and reflected on it and looked at the scoring and looked at the chances that they had that they didn't see out in that game they certainly saw some light in the game against Car- against that uh, Awfully in terms of the relegation final, and even though they fell, you know, pretty seriously behind, had a man down on that, they still, I'd say, had belief that they could win the match based on what they saw the, the, the previous day in in um, in Carlo. So, how bad was it then, Brian? Like, I mean. How did Offaly use the extra man? I know the two Carlo goals were kind of fluky enough, but like I mean, that's poor defending to not be able to defend, you know, high balls in like that as well. Like I don't know where to start with it. Maybe how how did they conspire to lose this game? Yeah, well, look. First of all, I have to say congratulations to Carlo. That 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 is important to note, and I'm glad you started with Carlo because it is a great story and um, their work over the last number of years uh, deserves credit and. Their performance in that second half yesterday deserves credit too, and no, none more so than their two main forwards, Chris Nolan and Marty Cavan. I thought they were absolutely excellent, um, as good as anything I've seen around. I, I tipped Chris Nolan for the game. I knew he'd have a huge bearing in that game, and, and he got one four. And Marty Cavan ran the show and had a forward button playing from, from Breeze. So, you know, you know, kudos to them. But you're right, they 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 did get a little bit of luck. Um, in terms of the two goals, they should have been dealt with from an offensive perspective. The one thing is, you don't want the ball bouncing around the square and hanging around there. Um, first goal, comedy of errors. They tried to flick it out and then ended up hitting off a Carlo man. I think it was Seamus Murphy and ended up in the back of the net. And the second goal was even something similar. It looked like ball left in the square. Own Cal probably should have got it out of danger and um, you know it somehow bounced around and some and Chris Nolan got it into the net. So that obviously was the platform and this it. it, it narrowed that gap of 11 points very quickly and that's where then the malaise set in from an offering perspective the players started to panic on the field um, they had a spare man as you said the sweeper though was absolutely null and void uh, the players themselves switched off it was almost like 
they were all hurling as if they were the spare man. Um, you know, ball watching as opposed to marking their man. That that actually, I, I was hands, pulling my hair out at the time just, just watching, you know, the five defenders that are marking their, their forwards. They should just literally watch their man at all stages, manhandle him as best you can. Watford were brilliant at the likes of Noel Connors, Barry Cockton. They were exceptional at that sort of stuff. And they left the sweeping to tag the Borca. Um, unfortunately, awfully, they were, as I said, they were all ball watching two and three of them going up under the one ball. Caraman or, um, would, would bring it down to feet and, and the, the awfully lads were confused and not knowing who was going to the ball then at that stage. So it just became a comedy of errors. They did try to work the ball out through the lines and it just broke down time after time again. So, you know, you, you don't look, had, had one comment last night in terms of, you know, awfully being slow to embrace the modern game. The problem is, is we don't have the, the, the talent to, to embrace it at the moment or we haven't done the, the, the work with the with the current players that are out there at the moment. And they tried it, but it broke down time and time again. Every time they were under pressure, um, it, it, Carlo were able to turn it over. I'd say it happened on three or four occasions where they turned it over and got simple scores. So, um, you know, just hugely disappointing. You should not be, I don't care what happens, you should not be losing a game 11 points up uh, completely dominant in the first half, and I mean in all aspects of the game, and a man up then as well for such long periods of the game, you should not be losing that game. The, the disappointing thing here, Cheddar, is that you have an extra man from the first half, so you actually have your team at half time to actually completely run through this. This isn't just a shock for the last 20 minutes and it's hard mm. to get a message in. This is actually being able to sit down at half time with a big lead, give the role to whoever was, explain to them what you want. But that, according you know, according to Brian's... Can I come in on that? Actually? Yeah, go yeah. on. Um, because we actually made a, a tactical switch at halftime. Well, I'm, I'm made to believe it was tactical, and I couldn't, I, I couldn't understand it. Um, we brought on a player who would be better known as a man-marker, Dermot Short, and he went straight in as the sweeper. And they took off a guy called Aidan Tracy, his own club man in St. Rhinus, who would be a well-noted striker of the ball, a long-distance striker, and a very good long-range free-taker as well, and very comfortable... Um, for large periods of that first half when he was on the ball. So I, I couldn't understand that tactical switch and it really backfired. And after about maybe 15, 20 minutes of the second half, they had to abandon Dermot Short as the sweeper. He went out to wing back and um, they, they moved the other wing back, uh, Damien Egan, back into the sweeper. But at that stage, the, the rot had set in and Damien Egan didn't, you know, he's only a guy, he, he didn't, you know, perform as well in there as a sweeper either. He's only a guy that's on the, on the scene for the last... Uh, since Kevin Martin came in as manager since last year. So he's not a guy with huge inter-county experience either. So um, management have to hold their hands up from that perspective. Yeah, I wonder is management, are they holding their hands up? Or Kevin Martin seems to get away with a lot. And I can understand why, because obviously last year it started off so well and first impressions make a huge difference and the result against Dublin and then the result against Kilkenny Whereas if this year had been his first year and he backed it up the second year with good performances, you'd probably have him pigeonholed as a, as a bad manager. Do you know what I mean, Cheddar? Like, I mean, he's got off to such a great start that he has gone, he seems to be above criticism this year. Whereas, like, I mean, that doesn't sound like a, a glowing 
kind of report from his point of view. And for me, doing uh, reading up a little bit, like I mean, he's been using a lot of excuses throughout the league. So he blamed the fitness after the wa- after they're hammered by Waterford. He sacked the fitness coach. He says if your fitness levels aren't there, your head goes and your and your hurling goes. It's something we're addressing at the minute. So then after the leash match, he he blamed his players. He says the players have to ask questions about their commitment there tonight, whether they gave it everything or not. And then after yesterday's match, he says, today is very hard to take, but it is what it is. We tried, but we got turned over. A little bit kind of a matter of fact, it is what it is. You're down in two way. It's more than it is what it's more than it is. What it is. Yeah, I might just deal with the last point first. Uh, Willie, um, obviously, obviously, it's crucial now that, you know, awfully re-motivate themselves and re-energise themselves for the Joe McDonough and y- your comments directly after the match yesterday are the start of that um, and I might have been a little bit surprised with Kevin on that that you know y- your attention to detail has to include that what you say how you carry yourself your body language all of those things are crucial um, to you as a manager and, and, and the message that you were particularly given in your dressing room and to everybody else as well um, so I was a little bit surprised with that and this, on the second point um, I think Kevin's lost some players this year Brian you might correct me if I'm wrong he's a lot here. of injuries yeah, and, he, and he's, a, he's a number of injuries and uh, uh, you know this is ultimately the problem here um, that the and awfully have fell into this trap now they weren't there in Brian's time or for 30 years before that they had a um, you know a very high quality um, big numbers on their big volume of quality players in their panel to be able to call on and they were able to deal with these things that's not as easy to do when you know you have a number of players that are not in the panel or you have a number of injuries or something like that and now your quality drops significantly maybe from number 18 up to number 30 and it's very very difficult then to, to, to make things work I'll just go back to the earlier point because it's a really really interesting point and I think Brian has covered it um, any team now in hurling that's not able to operate the sweeper system, uh, you know, has to really ask themselves why. Because it can happen to you in, in two ways. It might be forced on you um, that the other team is playing that. So you are going to play a sweeper for a while until you settle down. Um, or uh, like yesterday, you know, you may have a player or they may have a player sent off and you will want to use your sweeper for a period of time anyway until you um, sort of establish yourself in the team. You might want to push somebody up to midfield then or up to the forwards after that if that's what you chose to do. But the type of player that you use for that is absolutely crucial. Um, and and the other thing is that the defenders play their positions and play their man. Just because there's a sweeper there, they cannot absolve themselves responsibility for their job. Everybody does their job and the sweeper does his job. And when you look at Dave and he looked the way Wexford play um, you know if you wanted to look at a good way to be able to play this well if you wanted to play it well look here, here's how it should be done um, and I, I'm you know I'm surprised what Brian has said because I would have known the players that he's speaking about here and you know you certainly wouldn't have seen him as the sweeper type material where you need to be a very good reader to play very very good vision of, of you know where the play is going to break and that you need to be really really quick to move into the breaking ball you need to be really really quick at securing ball particularly off the ground and you need to be really quick to break the line, get front foot, get out in front of in front of their players, and be able to distribute good ball into the forwards. Um, and you know, you should know who that player is, and the team should rehearse that type of play. You might only do it for five minutes a week, uh, but when the situation arises, you just go back to type. You go back to what you rehearsed, and off you go. You 
might change it again after 10 or 15 minutes if you wanted to do that but you've got to be able to operate it and what Brian has described would be a little bit confusion and of course you're sort of you know you don't have clarity in your team then about who's who's to do what job and when that happens then it, it you know things can go out kilter for you very very quickly at that stage Yeah Brian what did you make of Don Logue's comments about the the different voices so he says a third point I'd make this is just my feeling some of the loudest voices and what you might consider the biggest influencers in Offaly over the last number of years when it comes to tactical innovations they always seem to be the voices of regression I think those voices of regression if they were given another brain they'd be twice the voice of regression I don't know if he's including you in that Brian or did you take that personally yeah? I know Michael Dignan Michael Dignan didn't take it lying down anyways he came back uh, kind of I don't know I would say Declan McBennett in RT the head of sport wouldn't be too happy with Dignan's response back to him now but like I mean that's for them to 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 deal with but w- w- what do you think of Donald I suppose if we're talking in the context of the sweeper and those voices uh, he's obviously talking about Dignan and maybe to a lesser extent um, Dahi Regan that if do you think that their idea of their, their dislike of a sweeper you know and their their loyalty towards Kevin Martin do you think they can influence Offaly Hurling and Kevin Martin potentially not really knowing what to do with a sweeper when he does or when it does arise yeah look yeah his comments for starters um you know he he three points to his analysis first of all he he went through the statistics of where Offaly have only won arguably in the 80s and 90s um you know and and they're black and white there's no one can argue with that we've won four All-Irelands so on that basis he was saying we're not a traditional Hurling County and look he has a point but I think I suppose you can you can use statistics to back up any argument as say statistics statistics and damn lies because we've four All-Irelands Clare have only four Galway have only five Waterford only two um, if we want to go down that road well then there's only three traditional Hurling counties yeah. so you know I don't completely agree with that um, obviously but it is what it is. We did only win in the 80s and 90s. Our underage structure leaves a lot to be desired, and we all know that, and everyone in Ireland knows that, um, and none more so than the Offaly people. You know, his second comment was on the demographics, the, num- the sheer numbers, and we certainly struggle in that point. And maybe maybe we did punch above our weight in the 80s and 90s. Um, but, you know, I suppose in the decades prior to that, we did compete from time to time if we get our players in there and get involved in Offaly and we ran the likes of Kenny Close many a time down through the years particularly 69 stands out in in, in memory we, we, we beat all Ireland champions Wexford in the Leicester semi-final and almost won the Leicester final against Kenny so there are there was always kind of shoots of hope um down through the years and we'd many renowned hurlers that hurled on Leinster teams and, and stuff like that so you know, the hurlers were there, but we just never got together, maybe because of club scene, um, the rivalry that was there in Offaly. But then the third point, obviously, as you alluded to there, um, you know, he having a go at the, at the, the voices, and both Dignan and Di Regan took umbrage to it on Twitter last night as well. Um, I certainly not count myself in that. I'm only a small fish, <laughs> as, as Davey would say. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I think there's, there's, look, there's two sides to every story. Um, I think Dignan and Dahi's, I don't know about Dahi's, but I definitely know Dignan obviously has come out publicly and said he's against the sweeper. And like that's his personal opinion. And I actually won't vilify him for that. If he doesn't like the sweeper, like he's fully entitled to that opinion as far as I'm concerned. Um, the thing I think from, from the, the criticism Michael might receive inside and offly 
um, if we try to be objective on this, but probably the fact that he hasn't got involved in the Offaly senior management um, since 2004. Uh, he went in as a coach under um, Mike McNamara, I was playing myself and we reached the final. And Michael Dignan was absolutely excellent when he came in as that hurling coach. And he had previously managed Mead. And I suppose a lot of Offaly people have been calling on Michael for the last... I suppose close to a decade now, probably since Joe Dooley left, to get involved at senior level. And he has turned it down on numerous occasions. Now, he's entitled to it's his own personal. I'm not going to, for one second, comment on you know, his own commitment to Offaly Hurling. He's hugely involved in his own um, adopted club, Ballamere, where he's, his two sons are playing for. So he is heavily involved in them, invested a lot of time in that club, and they've won minor and under-21 championships. So he's gone back to grassroots. But I suppose on a wider scale a lot of people in Offaly would have been pleading with the likes of Michael who is a huge influence on Offaly Hurling because of his role in RT to, you know, to, to help out with the senior team and as I said it's his own prerogative not to get involved there Yeah what do you think uh, Cheddar do you think uh, Donalogue didn't need to go there uh, on the third point look I, I, I think um, he was selective in his analysis first of all um, I'm not so sure that his own county has had a whole lot more success than Offaly in the last 30 years to be honest with you so you know um, I, I think you need to look at that in, 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 in a wider context um, I think the second point about the demographics um, they are the demographics they are the real problems for um, Offaly now and for Leeds and Westmead and Carlo and, uh, and maybe to a lesser extent Antrim um, you just you know you were um, real hurling um, hinterland as such is not big enough and it's not populated enough um, to, to be able to produce enough quality players I'm just going back to that point um, the whole time um, I, I take Brian's point as well look it, 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 it's not a sweeper really I know you're only using it as an example uh, Woolly but um, I suppose the tactical the way the game's played tactical now even if you just want to call it a defensive screen where you actually win the ball back and work the ball back over the field again and make it less difficult for the opposition to score um, it's a little, probably a little bit more sophisticated now than it certainly was than when I was playing I mean maybe Brian might agree even, even in Brian's time um, so you do need to you do, you know you need to be and look the players will want to look for that as well you have the likes of Owen Carl I saw Owen Carl playing in Goa below in the Fitzgibbon Cup final there a couple of weeks ago um, you know so, so there's a lot of Offaly players playing at a very very high level and if they're seeing that type of coaching and that type of game planning at Fitzgibbon Cup level well they'll expect it in, in, in their own county as well because that's I suppose where the game is going um, but I, I just think Woolly and I just think Brian um be very very interested to hear Brian's views on this um there's a lot of things going to happen here now with Offaly and they're probably starting to happen already and and this is I suppose if we're looking at business this is called the business downward spiral and it's very very difficult to pull yourself out of this you, you know a lot of things happen here enthusiasm dwindles energy flows out the door you're getting a little bit more distrust. Um, people are not sort of talking to one another. Uh, you know, then people will get very entrenched views and they won't take risks and all of that. And I can tell you, um, there's a, and a whole pile of literature about business and this, and I'd suggest that it would be a good place to start, is how do you arrest yourself from this type of a, type of a spiral? Awfully certainly have the base to make this work. And the recent history, even though, you know, it won't it won't win matches for you, but have that confidence about having scaled the hill before and got to the very top would be very, very beneficial to you. And I, I think it would be 
And, and I think, you know, you, you need to get to the root of the problem here. There's no point in talking about something unless you really, really know what's the root of the problem and what do we need to fix here. But I think one of the things, and, and there's no point beating around the bush with these things here either, you need to talk hard talk here. And I'll go back and I'll, I'll reference back to, to that um, uh, saying about the business uh, downward spiral. Almost in all of those cases, and there's a huge amount of literature about this, it's the CEO took his eye off the ball, uh, became less aware of the issues and all of that um, at that time. And then the, the company gets into a free fall and in a free fall you will stay. And, and there's a huge amount of literature about, about you know a lot of really great companies who took their eye off the ball and suddenly, suddenly they just fell apart and, and uh, you know, they went out of existence. Um, so I think that's the first thing, and the, one of the things is to be aware, uh, find out what you know what is the problem, start talking to people, um, and and uh, until you do that, you're never going to get to the stage of actually having the strategic plan in place to actually get there. And th- th- look, there's a, a lot of things need to happen for to arrest that. This is not going to be easy, and it's not going to happen by, it won't actually happen on its own by quality coaching. And I know Brian mentioned this before in terms of the clubs. Clubs need to get their act together in terms of coaching and all of this. That on its own won't work because you've just failed so far that, you know, the confidence and, and I suppose the enthusiasm to get involved in offering and hurting, whether that's from parents or coaches or players or whatever, is gone so far at the minute that, that you know a good coaching and games plan the county probably won't pull this back it's going to need an awful lot more um, um, you know this is open heart surgery time here as I, I would think for Offie Hurling and when I say that I say it with regret but I also say that it's, that's no different than Leash it's no different than Westmead it's no different than Carlin it's no different than Antrim I, I've been you know banging this board for a, for, a, for a couple of years on this um, and you know unless we might talk a little bit more about that will you because it's it's you know it's such a it's such a critical thing at the minute. And look, I'm going to throw something else into the mix here. We've changed the league structure for next year. We've changed it on the whim of top counties who said that the league as a structure at the minute um, doesn't give us an opportunity to blood players. Nobody ever asked about, is the league good for the developing counties at the minute? And I think, it's, look, Carlo have proved it. It's great. So we're going to put Carlo now into a championship, and we're going to more importantly, we're going to put Westmead into a league next year, where they're going. To, they're, hopefully, they don't, but it, it would look like that they're going to get a number of pretty serious beatings. Now you're back to where you started. So what was more important for hurling people was it to allow Brian and John Myler and and Liam Sheedy a chance to blood a couple of players in top counties who are regularly winning all Ireland's, or was it to try and and, and rebuild the game in the athletes of this world? And you know. Somebody needs to do the hard talking here and call out these people about these serious issues. So who's going to do that talking? Uh, going to go off topic here because I was actually holding some of this for Thursday, Brian. I'm tired of hurling punditry in a lot of ways and I'm ha- tired of the high profile pundits because all they do is cheerlead the sport and they don't ever get down and dirty and they don't ever they completely ignore the struggles of other counties and are happy for a championship to be played with eight teams. Nine maybe eight eight or nine teams. And for me, if that was football, there'd be up in arms. Be up in arms about what's going on. You look around for talking points for hurling for the hurling show. There's never anyone giving out. There's never anyone holding. Like, this league is a disgrace. It's a disgrace yeah. that it's been restructured 
for what? To throw Westmead as lambs to the slaughter, like Cheddar says, so that the others can actually use the league as a warm-up competition and they don't have the threat of relegation. There'll be never relegation from 1A now anymore because it's just going to alternate as the Westmeads will just be humiliated every year. Whereas the way we had it was there was a nice little mini-league between Offaly, Leash and Carlo, at least. And then the yeah. the, the reward of a of a, a league quarter-final, which Leash obviously didn't use too well, but we'll mention that in part three. Where are the dissenting voices? Instead of Dignan and Don Logue, and it was nothing more than petty squabbling between what should yeah. be colleagues, is that, and, and to be fair, I have to say, Don Logue, at least with his Offaly analysis, made that show last night some bit interesting because it was the most boring show I've seen in a long time. When are we going to see a bit of life around the hurling pundits that actually want to improve hurling to at least 12, 13 teams and hold the GA to account like the football pundits do? Yeah, and I've been banging this drum for a while and I am glad Cheddar went to it as well and, and, and I thought it mightn't be for today's conversation also, but I find the hurling, probably because I'm coming from Austin, it's elitist. It's, it's The top teams have climbed the ladder and they're pulling it up after them. Yeah. And it drives me mental. The Munster Championship is sacrosanct. You can't touch it. The five teams are there, and they're, 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 they're five of the top teams in the country, don't get me wrong, but they practically can't be relegated. Because even if they finish bottom, the only way they can go into relegation of any sort is if Kerry win the Joe McDonough. They won't even let Kerry into the Joe McDonough. We had to cater for, for Kerry in the Leinster Championship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know the Leinster Championship is the rest of Ireland Championship as I, as I say uh, you know we went, welcomed in Antrim we welcomed in Galway okay it took a bit of time but we, at least we went somewhere with it and we've continued to, to allow that to, to happen and, and at least now Galway are getting their home games but we're also holding back because of the, 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 the strong Munster County making this decision and, and that's the way they want the Munster Championship we now we're, we're making awfully you know, Westmead, uh, Leash, uh, who else is there? No, Carlo are in the Leinster now. Yeah, so th- those three, on for starters, they can't even play in the Leinster Championship. Like, it's a crazy situation. I, I just, I, it drives me mad, being honest. I think uh, Eamon O'Shea had a brilliant idea a couple of years ago, and he was talking about um, playing your, your Leinster and Munster straight, uh, you know, knockout championship. You can even have your round-robin system like happened a couple of years ago in the Leinster for the, the six teams that I think are more or less on a par, the five that are currently in the Drum McDonough and Carlo. I think those six teams are on a par. And, you know, if they play their round-robin system and, and then feed into the, the Leinster championship. And then thereafter, you could have a kind of a Champions League-style uh, four groups of, of, of four and uh, the top two teams in each group go into the A Senior All-Ireland quarterfinals and the bottom two go into a Senior B All-Ireland. And for the likes of an Offaly and Leash, for instance, we'll never play an All-Ireland final day, let's be honest. Um, unless, I actually don't even know, I don't even know if there's an unless at this stage. Um, but if they could get to a, a, a B All-Ireland and actually play on the same day as a Senior All-Ireland, that could be the greatest day in their, their careers. And you know, a realistic chance of winning something. But the important thing with that is they still would have had a chance to play against the top teams. They're not being excluded from their own uh, province uh, at the whim of some of the stronger counties. And then on top of that, they're getting meaningful hurling during the summer months. At the moment, um, you know, we're trying to run off competitions as quick as we can. They did that with the round robin system a couple of years ago. They do it with the current Christie Ring. Lowry Maher, Nicky Rackard, all the competitions down below, they're all run out of the way 
in you know May and June got out of there as quick as possible and we're not even allowing those hurling people genuine hurling people at that train as hard as any county um, no matter who they are or any of the top stars of the game they train just as hard they just don't have the same resources or backing as other players and they're just shunted to one side and forgotten about yeah it seems to for me it's a funding issue they funded Dublin to the hilt they won a National League and won a Leinster Championship they're coming from a base of the Leashes and the Westmeads and the Antrims look at the improvement of them Carla got some minimum re- funding recent years look what they've done with it like I mean the wild geese over in Australia you know what I mean who cares about that would that not be better off going to a county like Leash and give them games development money and have the coaches in the schools I don't see why without this pressure coming from the top by the high profile pundits and none of them seem to want to touch it because they're happy with their own counties are going and they're happy with I suppose at the end of the day aren't they happier with an 8 team All-Ireland than they would be with a 12 or a 13 or 14 one because they've less of a chance of winning do they, do they give a shit Cheddar like I mean briefly the it's not an easy briefly they don't give a shit the answer is no I asked Damien um, last, last Thursday actually I said mm. do you, did you actually care and he pretty much said no he didn't it's, mm. like, should you, I, I don't uh, mean uh, players like Damien but high profile pundits should have a, a, a responsibility to the game in general not their own counties um um, yes, but look, it's not their responsibility. They're, they're just pundits. Uh, um, we put in place um, an organisation an organization structure to run the GA, and it, it certainly looks like, sorry, it certainly is, it's not what it looks like, that the only interest at the minute is to have um, a championship that, that's appealing to television and, and so on and so on, which last year's one. It was a brilliant, brilliant championship. But if you want to actually grow the game, you know, if you want to, we all talk up hurling and we just love the game so much that, you know, some of the times we just, you know, are blinded by the faults. It's played in a small number of counties at the minute, but there are a number of counties um, that, that Brian has described already that have the the critical things needed for them to, 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 to step up. And one of those things is a geographical base of a culture of hurling in the area. It's very unlikely or very, very difficult. And this goes for any sport or any walk of life. It, unless you have something to cling on to, to build on, well then it's very difficult to establish that from grassroots and expect it to actually you know bloom very, very quickly. The, the, the issue is that the counties that we've described, that Brian has described, six of them, have all a good geographic base for hurling, but they need serious, serious support b- b- before they're going to you know, step up to that level. And I'm only talking about being competitive. I'm not talking about winning All-Ireland's rank to that. Be competitive against these teams. And look, that it just doesn't happen. And you need leadership from the top to do that. Somebody needs to decide that the critical focus of the president of GA or whoever it is or whatever it is for the next five years in terms of hurling is let's see can we make a 12-team championship as Brian has described in whatever format it is. And Brian has described a good one. The one thing I would say to that, Brian, is that that won't be sustained unless it's underpinned by a real good structured development plan in those counties with with special focus on those counties and Willie, you, you draw a good example I've used this the whole time I work in Dublin here and, and uh, you know I saw the benefits in the last 10 or 12 years since that was brought in to Dublin you know why can't that special focus be now brought in for those six or seven counties and and build and look, Carlos a really good example. Your flagship team is doing well. There's great interest in the in the county. That's the time to really go for this and yeah. and put in put the funding in behind it. And I'll just deal with that in a minute, Woolly. But I, I'll draw another um, um, example that you're well aware of. Leash in football in the late nineties, I think won a couple of minor all Ireland. You were part of it yourself. 
I the, hate talking about the, that. The energy in the county at the time, <laughs> and I'm talking here as a hurling man, um, was fantastic. Did Leash build on that and make sure that that was going to be sustained for the next 20, 30 years? Uh, you know, clearly we didn't because mm. the results since haven't said that. Um, so I, I'm just going to go back to that point. It, it's it, You really need to get the right people involved here. And unfortunately at the GA level, it's generally speaking done by committee level. And more often than not, we, we're not radical enough in our thinking to look at this, except in some areas. And if you look at the running of Croke Park at the minute, they appointed Peter McKenna to run Croke Park. It was a radical idea from the GA. It's not run by committee or that type of stuff. Somebody with real expertise in the area uh, know, knew how to run these stadiums and operate these stadiums successfully. And it has been done successfully to the extent that he's now been asked to go down to Cork and, and run Parky Keeve. Why can't that be done for the, the, the coaching and the, the development of hurling rather than running by coaching? Because what's the real killer in all of this, the real killer in all of this is the politics. You... And, and look, I've been this soldier, so I know what I'm talking about here. You can come with a real radical, well-thought-out plan, well-funded plan, so on, so on, um, and bring it a certain bit along the way. But you have, you waste so much time and so much energy uh, getting everybody to get buy-in and getting everybody in their, on, on the right track with all of those things. It is very, very difficult. I think that should be flipped on its head because at the end of the day, most of the people like myself and Brian that's involved are amateurs. Why cannot we get somebody with a strategic vision? He doesn't need to be an ex-hurler. Actually, I'd probably prefer he, if he wasn't with a real uh, strategic vision of how to make these things work. There's, there's a pugs of experience in other sports here to do this. And I, I, I asked the question of this. Why do all the professional sporting organisations have a director of uh, soccer or rugby or something like that? Why is that model good for them? But we're clinging to the same system, a committee level and committee-driven things in GA when clearly they're not working for these counties. And clearly somebody has got to take accountability for the, the, the lack of growth in these counties. And I can say with certainty that in all of the large urban areas, and I'm a Port Lisa man, I can say this, and Brian, you may confirm, this for for Tullamore as well that the pressure on hurling um, is 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 I, I think hurling will never recover in some of those larger urban areas because of the pressure of other sports and that's really driven by hurling is a very technical game you can go out and coach as I see every night of the week you can bring 20 or 30 kids out to play soccer I could bring out 20 good sheepdogs and they'd play soccer to be honest with you <laughs> because there's, there, there's, there's no real the, 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 sorry the, it's a serious issue now the issue I'm, I'm saying here is and Brian, this is what I'm saying about Offaly, that when you get into that apathy, parents and children will pick the easiest path for their kids. This is a really important point, I yeah. think. Um, and hurling is such a technical game that if the child um, is getting peer pressure from the two or three little kids beside them that are not technically good enough to be able to play, play the game, they'll simply walk away and play another game. 20 years ago, they didn't have that, or 30 years, they, did, they didn't have that. The parents will just simply get the child and go over and play rugby. You could kick it around in a heap of muck and you, you'd, you'd get all right, uh, or soccer or something like that. Hurling is a very, very different game, and it needs to be coached by people really who know what they're doing. And now I'm going to go back full circle, Willie, to your point. It needs money to do that. It's not the only thing, and it's not the only thing that will cure it, but it certainly will not cure it without money. And it's not GDAs, actually. It's it's a lot of hours, and you know, it's been able to pay for a lot of hours. And if I just finish on that point, Willie, here's the issue. 
you have only a certain number of quality coaches in those counties. More often than not, those coaches will get involved with adult clubs. More often than not, they're just after leaving their senior careers. They're starting to build houses and all that. And they're quite glad of getting a few quid for coaching um, um, senior teams and adult teams and that. Now you have a dearth of quality coaches. You're asking people to coach kids in development squads and even in clubs and all of that who may not be fully qualified to do that. And that's where the finance comes in. It's not about GDAs because, to be honest with you, they don't really work. You, they, can, they can work 37 and a half hours a week, but it doesn't really work as well as if you had um, you know, a bank of hours funded by the GA and funded by the county board and not letting the county off the hook here in this either. Um, and if you had that, now you're ready to play around and move coaches around the county. And you know, you, at, at least you can make it worth their while to be able to coach on a Saturday or a Sunday and not have to go to other clubs to do that. Yeah. Jeez, I don't know. I actually had an idea Willie years ago and was convinced of this, particularly because there's so many students um, involved in this county hurling at the moment. That uh, I know this is only a side issue, but every, uh, the county players um, should be funded by the by the county board to go back and coach in their clubs every Saturday morning. Um, I know some clubs will have more more hurlers than others, and we can share them out among the clubs. But get involved in the clubs, co- uh, train them up get them all to at least level one coach and have a plan in place and put out your best hurlers you have on show uh, in the county get them back out involved at the grassroots of the club and it also will give them a bit of money um, because they're they're investing huge amount of time in their inter-county careers they don't really have the time to, to hold down part-time jobs as well as playing hurling and you know you, you can't go work in a pub on a Saturday night or even holding down Saturday Saturday jobs is not it's not great so I just think it could be a win-win situation. It was a very simple uh, thing that I at least would have liked to have seen trialled. If it didn't work, fair enough. But I think there's been lots of good ideas. I know Cheddar had a master plan for Leash. I know I was involved in one with Liam Hogan in Offaly and a couple of um, other real staunch Offaly hurling people. But we weren't even given the, the chance. That's the problem. I, I don't even, it mightn't have been the best plan in the world, but it was a plan and it was well thought out as far as we were concerned, the best we could come up with at the time. But we just seemed to meet roadblock after roadblock, and that's what drives me more mad than anything. Yeah, needs a revolution. I think uh, Cheddar's the man to lead this. I think the GA could do <laughs> could do worse. But I did like the sheepdog. I like the sheepdog one. I was actually holding out. If he says this about Gaelic football, now I'm going to kick him out of the room here. I was, at least you at least you said it was soccer, not Gaelic football. Um, uh, Brian, on a, you know, on a serious note, what you've just suggested would would probably transform a lot of things and and uh, but I go back to that point as well that there's there's when you're on that sort of downward spiral there's such distrust about things that you know it would need an awful lot of organization but that that just what Brian has just described there would probably make a big big difference yeah congratulations to Westmead who are going to be playing in the top division um, next year for the first time in 33 years so that's fantastic Joe Quaid who's a friend of the show has got them up they failed last year in the league final and in the Joe McDonough Cup final so he's taken them a step further I think they're lambs to the slaughter I think it would have been much better than coming up to play Leash and Carlo next year and it could be in a quarter final but that's exactly what we're talking about congratulations to Wicklow as well who won the 2B final so I was kind of tipping Derry thought Derry might have thrown the game at home because they were true but I was reminded on Twitter um, about Wicklow we'll do something about uh, Wicklow on Thursday on Thursday's show so Roscommon won the Division 3A final and uh, Longford beat Sligo in the 3B final so congratulations to all them right we've gone way over time on that we'll come back with uh, Paddy Power performance of the weekend and we'll try and get in one or two of the other matches
now she's dead. She's eight years this year. She never saw me hurling live, but she always went to the matches, to the hotel, the two finals, and we got off the bus after the first one, and the first person to meet me was my mother, and she said, look, what's meant to be is meant to be. She said, keep the head up. I said, grand. No problem, man. Thanks. 96, back to the hotel again, first person <laughs> off the bus, my mother. She says, ah, look, what's meant to be? I said, ma'am, will you give it a fucking ride? <laughs> <laughs> First up for Paddy Power Performance the weekend is Garod Hegarty. Cheddar, you were in Amore Park on Saturday night. I was watching it on television because I was on babysitting um, duty. Well, not sure you babysit your own children. I don't know what that's called. Just childminding, uh, childminding duty. But Garod Hegarty, I have down here in my notes, he was like a minor playing at under 14 level. He was just on a different physical level and at his ease. And look, this is our, on current form the best team in the country playing, you know, Leash, who just co- not really, well, they battled well throughout the field. They just couldn't compete with first touch, the wides, all those things added up, um, you know, to a really comfortable win for Limerick. Uh, look, Limerick are all, all, are all learning champions. And, um, you know, somebody has commented on this in the last couple of days, it is very, very difficult to win to win that, particularly coming from, from where they were coming from. Um, so, uh, look, it really backs up, Willie, what we were talking about, what Brian and myself were talking about for the last five or ten minutes there in terms of the, the development. Look, Limerick didn't come to where where they're coming from um, and Garo didn't come to that uh, state of, of conditioning just by chance. Um, you know, this has gone way back to under 14s then. It's gone way back to um, a development plan in Limerick called Raising the Treaty and we're not going to go into the details of that now. But Limerick winning in Ireland simply came, well, mostly came from that. And if you look at, um, so that raised all both. It raised schools level. If you look at the, the success of Dune CBS and the All Ireland B Champs, if you look at the success of our school re, and then you move that into the third level in UL and LIT and all of that, there's a whole progression and a whole circular thing going on at that level. Um, so back to your point, um, it's not necessarily grow at Hegarty. There's a couple of unusual things actually about Limerick. They, they seem to have harnessed an awful lot of very tall, athletic, powerful uh, players. Um, and obviously, a development plan doesn't do that. Maybe the, pre- the, par- the parenting skills that you just referred to about child minding might have more to do with <laughs> that, Willie. Um, but but they seem to have a lot of really big, athletic, powerful um, players. But they're not just that. Their their first touch is just something else, and their movement off the ball, and their understanding with one another. Clearly, it's uh, you know it's that doesn't just come from you know putting a team together and training of them for a year. You know that takes an awful lot of real understanding of of players and how to play and all and all of that. Um, so just back to your point. Um, you know, and Limerick. When you look at Limerick last year, we commented on this a couple of times, Willie, on on the show. A lot of the players that came onto the field with Limerick were all Ireland club medal winners. They were still very, very young. Um, and some of their players on, on uh, Saturday night, the likes of Peter Carrick Casey, I've been following him for a while. Uh, I think he's a very he's, he's not actually a big player, uh, but they're very, very good players. They have a huge panel of quality players at the minute. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you can still only put 15 players in the field. But the dynamic that you have in your dressing room and the pressure for the jersey and all of those things are really the thing that you're trying to get. And I think John Kiley, um, 
you, you know, I, I think he's in a great position about that because you don't have to motivate your team as much as maybe you would if you didn't have that, uh, you know, level of competition for places in your team because the dressing room does it itself for you. And, you know, he's probably really replicating the Kilkenny model for maybe 20 years that there was, you know, such pressure for places that you could, you were always looking in the wing mirrors. I think Tommy Wells made that one or JJ made, it, made that comment. No matter what year you were playing with Kilkenny, you were looking in the wing mirrors because you were afraid somebody was going to pass you out and grab the jersey on it. So you just didn't allow anybody a chance to do that. So any player coming into the Limerick uh, setup at the minute, if his conditioning levels is not at that level, look, he'll be let go pretty quickly because there'll be an awful lot of other players behind him. And I, 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 I think the best illustration of that is Shane Dowling. I, I looked at Shane for a couple of years and he was technically a brilliant hurler, but his work rate and his intensity on the field mightn't have been. It's certainly not is where it is now. On Saturday night, he chased back a leash player about 40 or 50 metres. He actually caught up with him. Now, that wouldn't have been Shane, Shane's forum a couple of years ago. Um, so it just tells you that, you know, even a player of Shane's class has to work so hard just to try and get on the team. Um, so that drives everybody else. And, and um, I, I just think that, you know, Limerick have something about him that, you know, I, I think if they really keep together and mind themselves, I think there could be a real force in hurling for the next 10 years and certainly garner a number of all earnings. Uh, Brian Cheddar's done a great job there in avoiding talking about Leash, so I'll get you to talk, get you to talk about Leash. Uh, like, I mean, the, the, the wides were a big thing, the 13 in the first half on their own. I don't know if you'd put that down to nerves. I know Leash are better than that. Even Mark Cavanagh, uh, who would be accurate, was, uh, you know, had ba- a couple of bad wides. A couple of things, like a few, a nice little ball might go into the forwards and it just, it doesn't go up on the hurl and the Limerick defender is able to come out with it. And, you know, just the top teams are able to control that and, and set things up, you know. Like it, it, it would be kind of frustrating a little bit in that they're well able to compete, but it for me it was a skill. It was a a, a big gap in skill. Yeah, I was there myself actually. I was commentating for three, so I did see it firsthand as well. And yeah, of course, Limerick were impressive. It's not necessarily skill, Willie. It's actually the speed at which to do it. Um, you know, Limerick attack every single ball and have that taste and the hurling, and, and, and especially because they continued so long throughout the year last year. But they're doing it on higher ground and they're attacking every ball and they're all pushing each other on but you know Cheddar alluded to it as well about the big players and we see this in football as well with Dublin and we've seen it with Kenny Downshears that's a number thing they're able to leave off you know some of the guys that just don't have that physicality uh, to me skill is, is a given at inter-county level I think and I don't mean this disrespectfully because I'm going to disrespect my own count here I don't think the pick of Leash and Offaly would, would compete uh uh, against any of the top five or six teams, um, or sorry, they might compete, but they wouldn't beat them. Um, not consistently, week in, week out. I just think uh, the game has gone to a new level at that. And I think, you know, fair play to Leash. They, they did battle hard. They had some poor uh, shot selections. I thought a couple of their half backs, particularly Ray Manani at centre back, was very, um, very quick to get a shot off. And, and I know if I was playing inside, I'd have been tearing my hair out. And uh, you know, it was tough, tough when you're hurling inside when, when, when things like that are happening. But at the same time, they'd only one point from play scored in the first half, and that was Lee Clear. A brilliant score, actually, where he came up the field and, and scored underneath the stand from about 45 metres out. Yeah. But, uh, that that was, was as good as it got, really, far. for Lee. Yeah, that was, it was too far and few in between. Um, Limerick just tied with them for long periods of that first half in particular. The game kind of petered out in the last 20 minutes. It was a bit of a, a waste of time. But there's also a big story there. I don't know what's going on with Charlie Dwyer. Um, I'm not going to see Cheddar. You had him <coughs> as a player. Like He is an exceptional talent. And 
he got sent off for, for two yellows the week previous and then didn't feature at all and he was there in the line he was warming up he was you know I, I've heard against that guy and he is as, as good as there is around and he certainly don't can't afford to be leaving the likes of him on the line any word on that cheddar is that just teaching him a lesson maybe or something but that's what it looks like to me or it's I don't know you don't know, know they're in, inside of the camp um, will you really but look Charlie has probably been the best hurler or one of the best hurlers in the league and certainly in my time there um, and he's a real warrior player as well he's a player that that you know is up for the big day and all of that and you know he, he would he, you would think he'd be the type of player that you'd need on on Saturday night yeah. and you'd definitely need him going into the championship It's a fair old um, punishment if that was a punishment to miss out on that home game against Limerick Well look it, it would be um, Now we could have picked up an injury during the week in training we don't know that for sure no, but I think uh, Brian. I, I did see Charlie warming up in the sideline. He seemed to be moving all right. Right. Um, and like you know, the way the way that would be structured is your conditioning person wouldn't send you out to warm up if you were injured uh, right. because you'd be just way you can only warm up three players at a time and so on, so on. So you just you you wouldn't do that. Um, so you know, so look, wh- whatever it is, there needs to get resolved quickly. Um, because you know Leash or Offaly or Carlo cannot do without their best players and you know you need him on the field he is a real warrior player um, was you know I've known him actually since it's going way back and I've seen him hurl a lot in Fitzgibbon he actually dragged Carlo IT to a Fitzgibbon Cup final and that hasn't only happened once um, and he was probably their best player among a number of Kilkenny players and Carlo players incidentally he, uh, Marty Kavanagh was also on that team um, so uh, look, uh, I'd say whatever needs to get done there, uh, that that if there is something there that needs to get sorted, he needs to be on the field hurling with leash. Right. Okay. And another man I just want to talk about was Paddy Purcell, another unbelievable yeah, hurler, was... M- much more suited to the midfield where he's breaking on the ball. It, he didn't seem to be himself playing a half forward, and and actually seemed to lack a little bit of confidence because he broke inside the challenge of uh, Dermot Burns at one stage in the first half and was bearing down and goal at about the twenty-one meter line. And Paddy Purcell usually put on the afterburners there and lift the net out of it and just stalled his own run and got dispossessed really simply. And I just said, that's not a guy hurling with confidence. That's not the Paddy Purcell I'm used to seeing. Um, again, I'm not inside the camp and I'm, I'm not having, that's not a, a go at anyone else. But I suppose he's done his best hurling at midfield where he's breaking onto the ball and, and that real elusive kind of cat and, cat and mouse type of game of midfielder that he can play. But on the front foot, he's, he's exceptional. Yeah, Paddy Purcell I thought was one of the few leash players that wouldn't look out of place on the Limerick team um, I thought from, from the other night when he, when he had the ball in his hand Wexford and Lee Chin was another, is another nomination as he was outstanding in the second half and it's great to see him back um, some brilliant points out of him and maybe his timing has run a little bit smarter this year last year all the talk during the league was that he's a professional athlete and he was flying it in the first round or two mm. um, whether he's learned from that lesson because he did definitely ran out of steam and the whole Wexford team ran out of steam by the time the All-Ireland quarter-final came round but this this game Kilkenny and Wexford it reminded me a bit like an Ulster football game there's a lot of hard man stuff going on there, there's a lot of laying down markers uh, and the Irish commentary uh, there was one thing I remembered from school they said uh, re-raw is rula <laughs> and that's all they seemed to think there was was re-raw and rula going on all over the place like I mean it, the conditions didn't help it but these are they all nearly follow the same pattern a lot of these Wexford Kilkenny games just really intense physical battles and Wexford were full value for, for their win Yeah I, I actually thought um, 
I suppose on the upside for Wexford, um, I just thought to bully to Kilkenny a little bit, and, and you know you don't see that too often. Um, uh, yesterday, now I, I wouldn't read much into the game itself because um, Brian, you know Wexford Park well. Um, if the wind is blowing in Wexford Park, it's a gale force from one goal to the other. I don't know how it is, but the wind always seems to blow in the, blow in the one direction there, um, and it certainly ruins a game when that happens. And you know that was wasn't similar to yesterday. Um, Kilkenny looked to be. If you look at the first half, you'd say Kilkenny looked very good. If you looked at the second half, you say Wexford looked very good. So obviously the wind had a huge bearing on the game. Um, and but you'd probably have said that um, you know Kilkenny because just because they're Kilkenny and because of their cuteness and that would have worked some more scores up the field in the second half even if it was against the gale force wind um, and and that sort of didn't happen and I just thought um, that you know Wexford did bully him a little bit on the downside for Wexford you know I saw looking listening to the show last night um, and that you know that that Wexford have a better um, forward division and a better way of um, method of play and better ma- better offensive method of play. And to be honest with you, I didn't see that. Um, I, I just think Wexford still play very narrow. Um, you know, I didn't see a huge amount of creativity of space up front and, you know, a ball being put into space and then overlap runners coming onto the ball and that. I just didn't see that. Um, so I, I'm not so sure that, um, you know, that, that you know they've moved on to a different level and left Kilkenny behind them. I don't think they have, to be honest with you. Um, and I think you know if we were to take the conditions out of the game yesterday, um, you know I, I think Kilkenny could have very well won the match. Um, so I, I think obviously it's a it's a brilliant prelude for the championship game down there. And you know yeah. obviously you're you're right, Wally. Of course you set down markers individually. Players set down markers on on the players are going to be on. Why wouldn't you do that? And oftentimes you'd you'd see that you'd see some players just seem to have an Indian sign on some great forwards and it just right throughout their career that's just the way it works and sometimes these games you know they might serve serve you well for things like that just gain the upper hand physically and just dominate your, your opponent and then you know that's the way it sort of plays out in future games um, but I, I just thought that um, I'm not surprised with the rule of bull. Look, that 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 is that is Wexford. That's Wexford like Kenny hurling going way back as long as I can remember. There's been always a real physical edge to them. Never ever going over. Ne- I've never ever seen them, you know, having a right go of one another. Even even yesterday was a, was was a bit unusual in that regard, to be honest with you. But there has always been a physical edge to their hurling to the extent that that. that edge between the two of them has served them well at all Ireland level and sometimes the Munster teams can't handle that when, when they get into all Ireland semi-finals and finals that sort of real in your face hurling Yeah maybe the, uh, we, Liam Blanchfield can be glad that we don't have time to talk about his uh, disastrous effort at soloing out of defence into the wind for the for mm-hmm. the Wexford goal so we'll move on past that You've mentioned Chris yeah, can, no, I, can I just go back go for a second for, for Davey because I have to have to talk about Davey for a second because you know he's, he's a gas man you know he, he, he'll use you know, the statistics to suit himself as well. And he's talking about how many players he's used throughout the league. And, you know, that he, he took umbrage to, to I said, for a Saturday night that Davey's going for the league. Oh, yeah, was in, that in you he was sentence. talking about? Yeah, that was me, yeah. And then the next sentence he was talking about, he goes out to win every single game. So, which is it, Davey? Um, and, and who are you trying to fool? Of course you're going for the league because you try to win every game. So you're, you're absolutely contradicting yourself when you say that. And as oh, yes, there's not one person in Ireland wouldn't deny that you'd rather win the All Ireland and and the Leinster final ahead of the league. But don't tell me that Davy's not going for that league gung ho. Like Wexford, I think uh, if I stand corrected, but they've only I'm not even sure how many times Sergeant would have won it only a handful of times. Let's put it that way. If I stick, stick to my to my guns, and he would love nothing more than to win this league and and going for it. So 
he's definitely built a stronger panel. There's no doubt about it. He has way more options uh, than he had before, and he has timed the run of Lee Chin, which is a, a big thing because he got little or not now a Lee Chin in the championship last year. So he is a massive player for them. So and he must have, he must have done well then to. He must have done well to go in, give his team talk, do his all his media obligations, and still have time to get into his car and listen to you. You must have, you just wouldn't weren't able to shut you up so obviously on Saturday night at all, Brian. How would he been able to turn this around? No, 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 no. I was Saturday night, so he was hurling. He was hurling Sunday. Oh well, shit! Sorry, 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 yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Saturday night. So no, in fairness, fair, but he doesn't. He doesn't like it. You know, it's it's, it's typical Davy. He'll he'll suit he'll suit himself. But look, he's done a he's done a, a to me. I think he's only done a reasonable job with uh, Wexford. I think he's brilliant for the game. Uh, I think Don Logue did touch on that last night, and I fully agree with him. Uh, he's brought huge enthusiasm back into Wexford. But I keep saying this: Wexford Park was all of a fortress. He talks about this. You know, he he's beaten a lot of the big teams down there. Which, yeah, of course he has because they they won those games down there anyway. And he's also has a panel. He's not working with Elise or Offaly. He's working with a team that is the base of their team is three Leinster um, under-21 championships. These are not mugs he's working with. And there's a strong club hurling down there. There's huge um, numbers playing in Fitzgibbon hurling as well. So he has a lot of talent at his, at, at his disposal. Yeah. And that's why people have been critical of him over the last couple of years because his game has been hugely negative. Um well, and, he's, and he's, when he's he had, to, he's, when he's, he gets to yeah. All Ireland quarter final stage, he doesn't have anything else. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. So if Wexford treat a league game, Wexford for me are a little bit off those top teams. So if they treat a league game like a championship game, and they've they got came back from eight points down <coughs> against Tip and Kilkenny, like are Tip and Kilkenny at that pitch when they're contending for All Ireland's? I don't, I, I don't know about that. But it can't be taken away from him. I d- absolutely, I'd say, agree with you, Brian. I think he targets the league and it would be a great one for them, for them to win. It, it still, and, and it would be brilliant. And it I can't be taken away from him, though. Coming back, those, yeah. two, those two comebacks, they reflect on a very happy squad and a very together squad and reflect on, very well on the manager to be coming back from, from eight points down against two huge teams like that. It was psychologically, it's a big thing, obviously, and the Tipperary game in particular. But Noel McGrath sending off at a big bearing in that game because um, I was at it myself. Kilkenny yesterday, let's be honest, like I tipped Wexford to win that game beforehand. But like looking at that Kilkenny team, like we all know Kilkenny has slipped over the last couple of years anyway, let alone missing four or five key key starters TJ Reid, Colin Fenley, Killian Buckley, you know, Joey Holden, maybe to a lesser extent. And and that's just off the top of my head. So Richie Hogan only coming on. So like you'd fully expect Wexford with more or less their full team to win that at home, given given the the, the, the talent that uh, Brian Coley had. I suppose. Yeah, no, well, that's true. Just the Offaly pundits are taking a right uh, beating this this week, uh, Cheddar, aren't they? Between Dignan and Carroll here and the whole lot, Davey and Don Logan, who are thick as thieves, the two of them, too. Brian, I didn't realise that because I knew he was referring to it. Just one other point there. Um, I think the panel was very unfair on Liam Dunn last, uh, last night, as if, you know, that he was a complete failure with Wexford prior to Davey. Liam dragged Wexford um, up to real respectability. Um, maybe in his last year, things didn't work out the way Liam would have liked. Um, but I think sometimes there's sort of lazy remarks about the effort that's put in by, and particularly Liam Dunn in that situation. And I, I just wanted to make that point. Yeah, Brian. That's a very valid point, yeah. Very valid point, yeah. Liam Dunn did bring uh, Wexford Hurland back big time, and they had a couple of big wins, and the beat yes. there as well, Davies Clare as well. Um, so, 
Yeah, no, fully agree. Yeah, last year petered out a little bit. Sometimes that can happen with managers, and, and, and like that's just unfortunate, especially when you're you're training your own. But uh, no, I fully agree with that one, Cheddar. You've mentioned Chris Nolan already, uh, Brian. So we won't mention him. He scored one four. He got one four in the Joe McDonough Cup. I always, when kind of as a casual hurling fan like myself, when you think of Carroll, you think of Marty Cavanagh. You know, Chris Nolan doesn't get the same kind of headlines as Marty Cavanagh at all, even though he's, um, you know, up there and he's, he's just not a free taker. That's and it, yeah. He's doing it day in, day out from play. From play. And I've seen him firsthand with Mount Rangers as well. And he was excellent that day against us with Coolery. And I've noticed him now. He's caught my eye for the last couple of years, even though he's a young man. What age and is he? I rate him really high. Uh, he's, he's in the he's early 20s. Early 20s, right. OK, so he's around yeah. for a while. So Stephen... Well, the young man's game has grown, as he said, he's the <laughs> oldest forward of the day at 24. Yeah, yeah. did you see that? me to go back awfully. I am mad or what? <laughs> but Limerick only started six of the All-Ireland winning team against Leash the other night, which is a little bit disappointing from a Leash point of view, you know, that they weren't able to stay a little bit closer. Stephen and Shane Bennett are nominating them um, equally. Stephen, in, interestingly, Stephen stayed on the freeze with uh, Porrick O'Mahony back, so I thought that was an interesting little thing. The only team we haven't mentioned that deserves a mention, obviously, is Tipperary. And obviously the middle section, if he hadn't talked so much in part one, we were going to do a full part two on Tipperary. <laughs> and now the poor Tipperary only get a mention at the end of the show. Michael Breen got six from play in from midfield. Jason Ford got one, 13, one, four from play. He went off injured. Tipperary looked very, very, very impressive, um, lads, yesterday. They're back from a week in warm weather training. And then you wonder what having funds and having money behind you can do. They train three times a day, um, apparently. Uh, Tommy Don was interviewed at half-time during the game and he said they spent time improving the speed of their hurling. Saw evidence of that. Liam Sheedy mentioned in his interview last night with League Sunday, he said they moved through the ball through the lines very well. Definitely saw evidence of that as well. So it's amazing, Cheddar, how much work you can get in on a, on a lovely dry pitch um, where you've got a, a five sessions in five days designed around what you're going to do with the ball when you get it. Like, I mean, it's not rocket science. If, you, if you've got the time and you've got the resources and you've got a week to go away, like the proof will be in the pudding. Because I think Tipperary, and I've said this on the show, Tipperary had an identity crisis. They didn't yesterday. Mm. They like, there was a method to how they wanted to play. And they don't necessarily need to go down the road of copying Limerick because that's unique. To, that's Limerick. That's what suits Limerick's players. Tipperary are in a unique position in that they have probably the most talented forward line you know in in the country why shouldn't they play to their strengths well, look the, the performance yesterday was, was exceptional um, and I suppose it had one other thing that Tip team didn't seem to have in the last couple of years they had real pace about themselves around the field um, but I just wonder just how much of that though was because of sort of Cork's lack of conviction yesterday you know you, you, you'd see Cork uh, cornerbacks trailering um, a tip corner forward out to the sideline and he's 10 15 metres behind him like you'd rarely see that anymore and I remember seeing I, I saw Cork against Kilkenny um, in Nolan Park earlier on in the league there and they were much better that than now and you know that, it was, that was a very competitive game uh, but you know some of their backs were still they just didn't seem to be really really sharp whether that's um, due to you know heavy training and that and, and I'd say John is really really looking to find a couple of players I think he's found them and now he'll concentrate on the Munster Championship um, but you know, in, in, in back to your point, Willie, um, tips you know d- definitely were good. But look, some of the things that have hurt Tip in the last couple of years, and particularly the positioning at three and six, does still doesn't seem to be. They've gone back to the same where they were there previously, and and um, you know, so I, I think there's still some things to fix. 
one of the things that, that they've definitely fixed, and we spoke about this the last day, Willie, was their hurling method, how they play. And I agree with you, you know, you don't copy anybody else. You play to the strengths of your players. And Tipperary have simply some of the best um, touch players going. Um, so they'll play to the way they want to play. And Eamon has a different way of looking at things. Um, Eamon has a different way of looking at things than, for example, um, you know, the way Limerick look at it and that. Um, he sort of gives the, I suppose, the tools to the players to play with a little bit more freedom, maybe a little bit less structure than you know, the way you'll see Limerick play. Um, and I think I saw a lot of that in Parky Rin yesterday. You know, they were really buzzing around the player place with a lot of confidence. And I know I'll go back to the very first point you made, Willie. If you were away for a week like that and you can focus in on that, one of the advantages of it is that you have all your players every single minute of the day. And you can take, you know, you can really, really build on things, particularly the method of play and re- rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. And what you're trying to do is build a common understanding between all your players so they know where things are going to go on that. And obviously, uh, you know, a week like that is going to be a benefit to do that. Yeah, Chase Bubbles did something yesterday in the second half. He, he, there was a ball bulleted in him along the ground and he was able to rise it with the hurley and turn all in the same movement, Brian. Did you see that? They showed it on, on the League Sunday even last night. It was, like oh, when you compare that to Leash fellas, I thought, you know, trying to get it up and maybe need two goals at it or coming off the hurley. He actually rose it and turned all in the same movement. Ah, yeah, but Bubbles, we all know about his skill. You know, he's some of the best wrists in Ireland at the you know, over the last number of years. Um, so when he turns it on, he can make the ball sing, in fairness to him. And yeah, look, I think there are players that can do that in Leash as well, to be fair to them. Um, so it's just, it's, it's sometimes it's just the, the sheer numbers side of things. And Bubbles has had his own uh, struggles as well because inter-county hurling is a lot more than just being skillful too. Yeah. So, he seems to be, he seems um, to be is, definitely buzzing now. Yeah. yeah, he's getting back in there now. Yeah. It's good to see that. And, but look, Sheedy's very good at that, getting players back in and, and getting confidence in them. And I think Shami Canlon was in a similar situation under Sheedy when, he, when Sheedy first took over with Tipperary sure. as well. And, you know, so you see the player that he turned out to be in the end. So the the huge talent some of these players is just about getting probably the the final piece of the jigsaw for some of these players for intercounty hurling when you want to win all Ireland, obviously. Yeah, and and that's what they want. But you touch on it; it's another story. We probably can have another day. But the the whole idea of going away on a training camp and the benefits of that they're they're huge. And uh, we were away on one prior to win a, a national uh, league title against Wexford. Um, actually, hilariously, a Division Two title against Wexford and uh, in 2009. But um, that was a brilliant camp and, and great for the speed of the hurling. And I mentioned that earlier when I talked about Leash and Limerick. It's it's the speed of the hurling, and you're able to repeat that. Um, those training camps are fantastic. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Cahill Barrett was back as well, and he did a great job on Patrick Horgan. He's a real spoiler that you need, isn't he, Cheddar? Like, I mean, there's and there's de- definitely divilment in him. But it, it just before we finish up, it's the balance in that forward line. Uh, uh, Niall O'Mara played centre half forward and was buzzing all over the field. It looked like to me, Jason Ford was wearing twelve, but he was playing at full forward. Shemi mm. Callan was out around the half forward line. He's trying to find the right balance there. You know, your man Morris mm. has a bit of life about him. He's in the corner. Bubbles can make like a talk like like Brian is saying and uh, I don't know like I mean Bubbles nearly you say go do what you, do what you want to do don't curtail him to a corner at all so uh, looking at those six you have John McGrath who pro- maybe wasn't at his top form looking at that the, the, the fashion now is to have a work in half forward line I'm not sure that that is necessarily tips uh, kind of correct blend is it? I, 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 I 
don't think it's the fashion, Willie. Um, you know, just keep referring back to this point. You play to the strengths of the players that you have. Um, and, you know, asking uh, Bubble to track back the field, it, it's unlikely to happen. Um, so, <laughs> oh, so, I know, I know, I know, I know, no, been, I know you're I, not being I'm smart. I'm disrespectful no. to Bubbles. I, I love seeing him play. He's an incredible, incredible hurler. Um, so, so, so is what I think this is what Eamon O'Shea will bring to this team and Brian has has referred to, to uh, what Liam will bring to it and it's that, that I think what Brian has said is really really important here the ability of Liam Sheedy to get into the player's head um, find a mindset and get him to the play to the best of his ability he's done it before he'll do it again and Eamon O'Shea will look after the, the way the team plays and Eamon O'Shea will make the team play to the strengths of the forward line not to any whim or any or, or the way Limerick or Wexford or Davy or anybody else is doing to the strengths of the players he has and the players he has are really incredibly first touch players and if you first touch the critical thing it does with you at county level is it buys you time and and you you give um, any of those players one second on the ball and they'll have it over the bar before you even get a chance to raise your hurley to block it down um, so he is a different type of player uh, certainly than, than probably any other county to be honest with you at the minute and they're a serious serious team I do think though that that, that that when they play a structured team like Limerick, Limerick will open up the spaces in that full back line and the channels again. Um, and uh, you know, I, I'd still worry a little bit about them. I think their 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 quickness and their ability to be able to deal with one on ones if they're not if they're not going to go with a defensive screen, um, you know, in big games is going to cause them cause them some problems. I I I uh, I've heard what you said about about um, uh, Pat Horgan. I just thought Cork were a little bit off colour. Ah, they yesterday. were terrible. Yeah, they were um, terrible. And you know, bear in mind that that's that's the first round of Munster Championship. I know it's in Parky Keeve and has a completely different bearing of that. If that's of course if Parky Keeve is going to be ready for it, um, but but. Um, you know, it was it was interesting that Cork that tip walloped them. It wasn't, you know, it was it wasn't a competitive game. It was one twenty five to nine points at one mm. at one point. Harry was saying, but even the defending for the Ford goal, uh, Brian. Mm. Like I mean, Cahillan. Like I mean, that's the most that. But I would have caught that ball. That ball didn't even have any pace on it. Like that was just a kind of a, a, a looping ball that was an easy catch, and he drops it out of his hand and then falls over. They're a comedy of errors, Cork. But again, you have to keep qualifying this, saying we don't know what they're doing in training. We don't know how much focus are doing on it they've bigger fish to fry they're double monster champions so like I mean double monster champions don't just become a poor team overnight it, it's the problem with this league and no relegation and it will be the problem for future leagues until it's changed again that no team's going to worry about relegation now so we, we'll always be going through the league to be honest I'm delighted we're at the knockout stage of this league that we can actually start maybe taking a game seriously and actually analysing it yeah, no, I wouldn't go as far to say you catch it, but um, <laughs> you know, Catalan definitely. Would, it, would, it, would, would a sheepdog catch it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, look, he should have he should have held on to it, but what's worse is it was wide open when he got through. Cork shadow boxing completely, I thought, uh, went through the motions. Uh, like, I think they'll trouble that tip back line, though. I think that's, you know, yeah. we're, we're eulogising about these tip forwards, of course, they're fantastic and they are brilliant. Well, you know, Cheddar alluded to it there. That back line will have a very testing time against that Cork forward line. And you add in Pat Horgan when he's in form, Conor Lee Hand, you know, Seamus Harnady, uh, Kingston, Cadigan. Alan Cadigan back yesterday, mm. got the first point yesterday, buzzing. I know he went off injured again, but like, you get him back, maybe throw in the likes of Aidan Walsh to, 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 to physically add something to that as well. 
that Cork forward line is going to cause real havoc. Yeah, Carney was out as well and Fitzgibbon and Coleman yeah, only came on. Like so. you, you put, yeah, Fitzgibbon and uh, Mark Coleman bursting up the field then as well. Like That's a totally different dynamic. Yeah. No, they were like they were very poor yesterday and it's as poor a showing as we've seen from Cork in a long, long time but they just seem to be just looking towards the end of the league I don't know if they're playing club championship maybe I don't know if they'd want eye on that but they'll definitely go ahead and play the relegation there was talks of not playing that relegation but, but themselves and Kilkenny now um, will be glad to play it and get the boys suspensions out of the way Yeah no exactly right lads we'll leave it there that's definitely been a long show but sure, I suppose when we have uh, weaker counties um, to talk about that's when Cheddar comes into his own here and uh, we can't uh, Just Brian we'll take a big exception to why <laughs> that's all we will <laughs> Yeah, big exception to that. But it's about time we, we spend a little bit of time and not always eulogise about the top teams. Yeah, it? yeah, exactly. Right, listen, we'll be back on Thursday and we'll have no choice but to talk about the top teams because there's three quarter finals. But like I said, we'll do something on, on Wicklow who won Division 2A, 2B uh, final as well mm-hmm. at the weekend. Right, talk to you on Thursday. Good luck. I started running, I suppose I didn't stop, and when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm, hard, I'm heartbroken. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.